Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey, everybody. Welcome to this week's episode of the Variety and iHeart podcast, The Big Ticket. I'm your host, Mark Malkin. So I have to ask, are you a fan of Unorthodox? How about Beanie Feldstein? If so, I've got a pretty exciting show for you today. First up, Amit Rahav. Don't know his name? Well, the young Israeli plays Esty's husband, Yankee, in Netflix, Unorthodox. Coming up, Rahav talks about playing a Hasidic Jew in Brooklyn, making history for playing the first teen character to come out as gay on an Israeli teen show, and what it's like to be out himself and becoming a role model for LGBTQ youth. Then later in the show, Beanie Feldstein. The Golden Globe nominee stars in the new coming-of-age dramedy, How to Build a Girl. So stick around. I'll be right back. Welcome back to The Big Ticket. Amit Rahav is just 24 years old. After racking up television credits in his native Israel, the actor is getting all sorts of Emmy buzz for his work as Yankee in Netflix hit miniseries Unorthodox. I caught up with Rahav from his home in Israel. How are you doing? I'm good. How are yeah, you? I'm good. How's Israel doing in this crazy upside down world right now? Oh, um, you know, actually right now we're starting, it's starting to get a bit easier. Yeah. Um, so they're like opening some schools only for like first until third grade. So it's slightly going back to like normal life. Yeah. Um, thankfully. Um, and yeah, so I, I'm guessing it will take a few more weeks, but we'll, we'll get there. How, how is it at your, at your side? I'm in Los Angeles and it's still, yeah. you know, it's still pretty much shut down. Um, I saw your, you, you sighed. Yeah. It it said everything. It's just scary, you know. Everyone's walking around with masks. It's Los Angeles, and they're talking. Same here. About, they're talking about opening, reopening some stuff soon, but people haven't been following. Yeah, and people haven't been following the rules here. You look at the beaches here, and people are going to the beaches, and yeah, it's wild. It it is wild, you know. In Israel, they're like the police men's are just like standing outside the beach and. You know, if you will go there, you'll just get a fine. Wow. Yeah, yeah. They, were, they were doing that here up in um, Malibu. The cops were in the helicopters. And if they saw people surfing, they told the cops in the street. And then they went and they were giving them like $1,000 fines. So they were pretty Oh, my scared. God. So what Everything been, is crazy. Yeah. What have you been doing during quarantine? Um, I was just like, you know, binging some shows. 
Yeah. Um, um and some like so it's quite embarrassing because <laughs> I haven't watched it, but I'm I'm now like binging um Broad City. So um good. which is so I know, genius. I know, and I'm 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 really I'm ashamed that I'm watching <laughs> it just now. I'm, I'm I feel ashamed. I I I I should stay in quarantine as a punishment for not watching it until now. Um, but I'm just watching it now and I am in love yeah. with everything there. We it is so it. good. I don't I'm not one to watch a show like on repeat. There are certain shows I will in Broad City. We will watch is oh, the one and you will laugh as much as you laugh the first time. It's so hard to make you laugh like at your home in front of a screen <laughs> and they're doing it so easily. Yeah. It's it's like effortless and I'm bursting out laughing all by myself, which is just, um, it's it's like, this is it. This is the show that I, this is my quarantine show. I know. And it's just, it's so sad when it ended. It was just like, Wait, you have to keep going, and I mean, they ended just forever. It yeah, yeah. Which brings okay. me brings me to your series. Only four oh. episodes. Only four episodes. Oh. Did you want to do more? I know. I know. Yes, you know, we had such a good time there. Right. We would love to do more. <laughs> um. So tell me, how did you get involved? Tell me about the audition. Yeah. Um, so the audition was, um, was, it, it was, it was kind of a, it was kind of secretive. You know, we got an audition for the orchestra. This was the name of the project. Oh, wow. We knew it's a European show. No one told, and no one told us anything about Netflix. Um, I just knew that it, it is for like a Hasidic guy from the Satmar community. Um, and 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 I just got two scenes, the, the, the first eight scene and one of the um, one of the bedroom scenes. Which one? Um, the bedroom scenes, uh -huh. where yeah, um, and it was it was so interesting. Really, it was it was very very. I, I was very curious to know what's going on, but then I got to know that I'm doing the audition with Shira, and Shira and I are friends. Um, wow. We've been friends for the like ten years. We grew <laughs> up. Um, like one next to each other and it was so exciting because we were waiting for this like opportunity to act with each other wow and you know the night before we were speaking on the phone and we <laughs> for the first time did the yiddish scene the scene in yiddish because we we both never spoke yiddish before <laughs> and never did a scene in yiddish so we were i was like in my bedroom speaking <laughs> with her on the phone and we were like doing the first date scene and it did feel like a first date and it did feel very like um charming it, it was magical this this mm. conversation and we and we felt oh this could work uh, we we were like crossing fingers for each other oh, i wish we would get it i wish we would do it together and yeah and then and then we just it happened and we were wow. so happy really so you knew each other for 10 years you've been friends and then you had to do those bedroom scenes yeah how, how did you yeah, both yeah, sort yeah. of <laughs> get comfortable yeah. i mean they're not the most sensual as we know, um, but, but how they did are you do that? intimate. Yeah, they're intimate yeah. for sure. Yeah. How, how did we do it? Um, we just jumped into it. Yeah. Like literally jumped into it. <laughs> um, I must, I must say that, like on the first take, we we didn't rehearse it. We never like, we never did it. Like we never, you know, physically rehearsed it. Mm. So on the first take, um, Shira and I 
were laughing a bit, um, but we were hiding um, <laughs> behind my um, my talit, um, like the fabric that I'm wearing yeah. in my pajamas. So there was like a curtain between us <laughs> and the camera, so we could giggle a bit um, in the first take, only in the first take, I promise. <laughs> and then once we finished the first take, we were like, no focus, it's important. We were focusing and we got into the zone and we were very, um, uh, like, we, we were very, um, like, to the, to the, we were very determined to do this scene um, and to give it the respect it deserved. So it was, it was uh, easier after so, the first take. So how quickly did you have to learn Yiddish? Um, quite quickly. <laughs> we had maybe like a month or two. Whoa. Um, and it's like learning any other language. Japanese, um, I don't know. Uh, it was it was very very difficult and very challenging, um, but thankfully we've got um, we had Eli Rosen, who is our Yiddish uh, dialect coach, and mm. he were there like he was there twenty four seven, helping us um, and recording himself, and we were listening to all these recordings and um, and we wrote it in I wrote it in English, I wrote it in Hebrew, I wrote the definition, I wrote it like so in so many wow. ways. I've got so many notebooks of of the of the scene scenes. Um and it was it was really quite an experience to you know to act in a different language is is something very unique. Mm. So tell me about the first time you saw yourself as Yankee with the payos and everything. That must have been wild. Yeah, it was wild. <laughs> it, it, it was wild because this is, I'm very secular. Mm -hmm. um, and it, it is quite the opposite. Like Yankee is quite the opposite of my um, daily life and style, um, <laughs> I must say. Um, so the first time it felt, <laughs> yeah, it, it was crazy. You know, suddenly those pairs and they looked so good. Our our makeup artist Jens, he he's so realistic, and he um he caught the, my my like hair my hair direction like grow growing direction. He wow. he like did it perfectly. Um, so once I I put on the clothes and the payas, it I suddenly like it felt it felt it felt right. Mm -hmm. um at some, in some in some way um and i got to know the character much better well i was really surprised when i saw your um instagram um that they were <laughs> that they weren't real because that's literally all my questions is were they real and did you ever think of growing them out or no no um for us secular people um maybe it will be now stylish after the show has aired, maybe it will become like a fashion, a fashionable thing, a fashionable trend. And then I will um, <laughs> maybe consider growing them. Um, but beforehand, I've, I've never had any payers. <laughs> but did, did you think about growing them out for, for the show? You know, it's, it, it, it the, it, it takes time to grow yeah. them to be <laughs> so shiny and to look so like spot on. Right. Um, and I didn't have the, the right, like the amount of time I, I wish I, I had to grow them. Did you, did you ever go off set and sort of go into the world as Yankee? Oh yeah. Um, 
when we were filming, uh, like on the street, like in the street. So mm-hmm. I was walking in the streets of Berlin with my costume, and there were like I saw some Israeli Israeli families, or you know, the time when we were filming in the airport. There's an air. There's a scene in the airport. So people were looking at at us very like. It was suspicious, um, and they they were they were curious to see like those people, and they didn't know we were filming because we were just sitting. We were just sitting, just Jeff and I, or Shira and I, like in the side and uh, on the side, and people were like looking at us. Um, and I felt the probably what the Hasidic guys uh, and community are feeling when they are um, like mingling inside the right. uh, like outside their their areas. Um, had, did you read Feldman's book? Were you familiar with it? Of course, of yeah. course. I, I read it um, like very quickly um, because mm-hmm. it's so good, um, and it was it was it was very important for me to know like her point of view and where she comes from. And mm-hmm. she, you know, she 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 really um, she describes there into details the daily lives there in her community, and it was very important for me my research um to get to know as much as i can about their lives there so let's talk about some other stuff you've done you've done some american american acting i don't know how you say it but you've you've come to america to do some acting um what was what was your experience like coming to the states and working here you know, it was really, really nice. I, I loved it. I really loved it. It was, it was so, it was so, it, it was, you know, it, it was such a change from Berlin because in Berlin we filmed in the interior scenes and, you know, the inside were all um, sets uh, that were built for, for the show or like already uh, like apartments or, or houses that are, that exist. And then suddenly we were filming on the street and we filmed in Brooklyn and in Williamsburg, like out, like in the Satmar, uh, like right. neighborhood and like on their streets. So it was um, very, it was an interesting experience because I was walking there and they obviously recognized that I am not a part of their community. <laughs> um, I didn't, I didn't manage to, to like um, sneak in, um, and my my strimal that the fairy hat, mm-hmm. um, it's um, they're vegan, so they're not real. Um, so they can tell that it, it is not a real hat. So I was like walking there with this fake hat, and anyone can tell that I I am <laughs> not part of the community. So people were looking at us. Um, filming and they were um i guess it it was interesting for them also to see like someone who is dressed up similar to how they're they look um so it, it was it was very interesting and it was very um i'm happy that, that i had this experience to feel like to walk in those actual streets and see the actual um shops and people and 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 the real community uh living there did you um as you said you're 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 very secular did you explore religion more though did it sort of um make you more curious yeah definitely i've been like watching all those all 
videos you can find on YouTube. Mm-hmm. I watch them. Um, I, I, I've been watching them like um, I stayed up until very, very late at night and just was, I was watching so many videos about um, like Satmar weddings and all the rituals and, and ceremonies. Um, and I was reading a lot. Um, and I had Jeff, um, Jeff Wilbush, who plays Moishe in the show. He's an uh, ex-Satmar uh, guy and he, and he helped me on set and he was there and I asked him so many questions, um, really <laughs> too much. Like, I can't even uh, start to describe how many questions I, I've asked him, um, but he was so uh, kind and, and, and he shared with me so much of his experience um, and it really helped me to get into the character and to learn more about the um, religious life. The Jewish what, religious life. So what does it feel like when you hear um, people talk about Emmys and you could be getting nominated for an Emmy and people are looking at you for these awards? What does that feel like? Um, yeah, something like that. <laughs> um, I Even only this question is... Um, out of this world and I'm very um, overwhelmed and, and grateful from the situation and just to be in the talks of it is um, more than I could ever uh, dream of and I'm, I'm I'm just very grateful for this situation only so I have I, 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 I don't allow myself <laughs> to even go there <laughs> so in wanted, my imagination I wanted to ask you about flashback so how major yeah. how major was it on Israeli TV for you to be playing a teen who comes out of the closet? Um, it was it was um, quite major because it it, ha- it didn't happen beforehand in Israel. So suddenly there was um, uh, a kid who comes out as gay um, on TV for the first time, and he's very um, he's oh he's good. He's like okay with himself. Um, and uh, and I feel like it was, I, I was like gifted with this role. Um, I, it was it was such a it was such a an honor to portray this role um, because I feel like it it opened um, a gate to more to more um, um, more characters from the LGBTQ community or even from any like you know any. Um, uh, community to, to, to be seen on screen and mm. for people to feel that they are seen on, on TV, like for people to, to see characters that they can relate to. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I'm, I'm very grateful for, for this role. What does it feel like to be a role model for LGBTQ kids? Are, are you getting, you know, I'm sure you're getting fan mail, emails, direct messages thanking you. And, you know, and I will say this and I will say this probably, you know, forever that anybody who either, you know, could play a character coming out, someone who is openly gay in Hollywood, it saves lives. You're saving kids' lives. Yeah. Um, I'm just like, I feel, I feel that, you know, when the show was, when the show was, um, on, I got so many messages and these like from kids and, and teenage uh, and teenagers in Israel um, and it was 
the greatest thing like you could you could ask for because people were really sharing with me their secrets and um and like their their lives and how complicated it is and how the show is giving them air um to breathe which was which was very um it, it was very i got very emotional from each message um and the creators have done something which is historically um uh like an, an historical event on israeli tv um and and i'm, I'm it feels it feels um again very overwhelming mm. to be in this position but still i i appreciate this uh this this honor i got to 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 lead this this character and i saw an interview where you said coming out to your family completely supportive no big deal um did you ever think growing up that you'd be able to be out and then also playing a character who's gay on television. Um, no, actually, I didn't think so. But then, when I got the character, so so there were no, there was like no question mm. for me. Um, in terms of like, it's a thing. Like you said, it's something which is more than just like an acting gig or another role in my career. It's important for someone to be there and out there and to speak um for those for those um kids um and so th there was no question um with this with this role awesome amit thank you so much this is wonderful thank you thank, thank you. you so much it's congratulations so nice to and hopefully i'll see you at the emmys if there are emmys <laughs> who knows <laughs> who knows awesome thank you so thank much thank you take care you too. Bye-bye. That was Amit Rahab. Unorthodox is available on Netflix. Now I'm going to take a short break, but when we return, I chat with Beanie Feldstein. Ever thought you'd make a great switchboard operator? Or seltzer man? Or professional royal mistress? If old-timey jobs are your jam, we've got a podcast just for you. I'm Helen Hong. And I'm Matt Beat, and we host the new podcast, Jobsolete, taking a look at jobs that used to be a thing and now not so much. iHeartRadio is number one for podcasts, but don't take our word for it. Find Jobsolete on the iHeartRadio app or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back to The Big Ticket. Beanie Feldstein was nominated for a Golden Globe for her work in last year's Book Smart. Now she can be seen in IFC Films' How to Build a Girl. Based on Caitlin Moran's semi-autobiographical novel of the same name, the film stars Feldstein as a teenager from a working-class family outside of London who becomes an unlikely celebrated rock critic. I chatted with Feldstein from her family home in Los Angeles. How are you? I'm good. How are you? How are you coping in quarantine? Besides I'm fine. Besides if you hear um, a light bulldog snore, it's because my, my dog Jackie is right down here. <laughs> she's hard to move because she's like 90 pounds, so I just let her be. <laughs> I have. Our two dogs are in the other room. My husband's here, so I'm like, listen, I have Beanie at four. Make sure they're not barking. <laughs> my parents, I was like, you have to be quiet, please. <laughs> Um, how are you coping rather than doing the, other than doing the, uh, Saturday Seder? 
which was amazing. Oh, that was so special. You know, I didn't get to see any of the other portions um, mm -hmm. when I recorded mine. And I was so moved by it. I loved it so much. I sat right here with my mom and we just like laughed and we cried. And I was so, I was so honored to be included in it. And I thought it was such um, well-made, beautiful, uh, just this evening that was really beautifully curated. And I was so, I was so excited. Yeah, I was really, I was more moved by it than I thought I would be. Me too. You know? <laughs> I cried multiple times. <laughs> so what are you doing during quarantine? You know, um, staying inside very diligently. I, yeah. I just want the world to heal and I am happy to wait inside uh, very, you know, as I said, diligently, as long as that, that needs to happen. Um, donating to every cause yeah. that I care about and everyone that's on the front lines. Um, we've been doing some trivia in my friend group. So two people have to um, come up with a quiz and then we all take it and we have to show up in costume and then the losing team has to donate to the charity of the game master's choice, um, which wow. is really fun. It's a really, <laughs> it's a great way to, um, I don't know. It's like nice to see all your friends and have like an activity and have it be fun. And then it's always like, whatever we're losing, we're like, but then we get to give to charity. It's great. It's all <laughs> it's a good um, losing method too. You're like, but I want to give the money. So I, I want to lose. Um, but uh, working out and trying to, to walk carefully, staying six feet <laughs> apart. And the dog is so nice. It's so nice having like this sweet little angel. She's so sweet. And we've been watching Ozark. What do you so think? Good. So we had never watched it an hour, of course, on season three. We haven't finished season three yet, though. So don't no, I won't say anything, but it is dark. That show is dark. Oh, it's so good. Oh, my God. It's so much darker than anything I usually watch. And I... But the acting and the writing and it's just the directing is so brilliant that I'm, I'm loving it. So what should we talk about first? How to Build a Girl. Tell me. It's a great movie. You do an English accent very well. Um, <laughs> tell me. First of all, tell us about the title, How to Build a Girl. Yeah. So How to Build a Girl is based off of Catelyn Moran's brilliant novel by the same name. Um, she also wrote a memoir called How to Be a Woman. So I think that's sort of her... Um, her more motif of, of the first of her books has been that. Um, this is the novel, not the memoir. Um, so it is loosely based on her life, mm -hmm. although the character of Johanna Morgan, my character, is is not directly Catelyn and owes a lot to Catelyn's, um, mm -hmm. she owes a lot to Catelyn's experiences, um, to say the least. But <laughs> she's not named Catelyn and it's not this, you know, true to the exact specifics of her life. So it was really wonderful for me because I had all the the gifts of it being loosely a true story that I have this incredible, vivacious, brilliant woman who wrote it and then adapted it and lived it. But I also don't have to feel the pressure to be doing like a, dis, uh, like a direct impersonation of her or representing her um, specifically in her mannerisms or anything like that. So it was kind of this beautiful combination of like, I can create this character from scratch, but I also have the best source material in the world, <laughs> um, both in her and the novel itself. So you play jo Joanna. Tell us, tell us all about her. So Johanna Morgan is a 16-year-old girl growing up in Wolverhampton, England in 1993. Um, and Wolverhampton, if you don't know where it is, is uh, it's in the West Midlands of England. So it's, it's north and then west of London. Um, and as an American, I really did not know much about what that meant. Um, there are so many different cultures and experiences and um, accents within that very small, very small country. Um, I always joke that it's like, I mean, it's smaller than some states 
it's smaller than many states in the U.S., um, but there is so much packed in there. And and Wolverhampton is in the Midlands, as I said, which has its own customs, its own vocabulary, and most importantly, its own accent. Um, specifically, Wolverhampton does. And um, so I went on this journey to sort of learn about Wolverhampton itself, and then obviously also try to capture the specificities of their accent, which I think when you're listening to it as someone who has never been there or heard it, you're like, what? what is that? Um, and uh, when I first got to Wolverhampton, I was so, it was so fun for me because I studied sociology in school and I felt like um, I almost got to do an ethnography like during my research process for this movie because I moved to Wolverhampton. I worked in a shop um, I and I spoke you, yeah. in the accent the whole time I was, I was um, working in the shop. And so I sort of felt like I was like undercover and <laughs> um, I, I just, I enjoyed it so much that the people there are, are, are so magnificent and, and the women I worked with in this shop were so giving to me and also really hard on me. They were like, nope, that was wrong. Try again um, with the accent, which I was so appreciative of. And um, I really, I loved the experience because I felt like I was, I, I've never done so much like uh, research and prep um, both, you know, at my desk reading about it, but also getting to go and live it, um, live that kind of preparatory experience, which was um, really fun for me and a brand new experience for me too. Whose idea was it for you to go work in the shop? Um, it was our director, Koki's, and I was really nervous. I'm really not what you would call maybe like a method actor. Um, I always joke I'm like a snack and a chat between takes kind of actor. Like I'm really not, um, I'm not at all kind of someone that stays in it, but as I said, I mean, even Londoners struggle to do the accent. It is such a specific regional accent. Even uh, infamously, a woman walked into the shop and I asked her if she was from Wolverhampton and she scoffed at me and she was like, no, I'm from Dudley. And I was like, where is Dudley to the girls? And they were like laughing because it's nine minutes away from Wolverhampton. But she could not believe that I thought she had a Wolverhampton accent. But obviously to my novice ear, I couldn't distinguish yet between the two. Um, but there are, there are differences in even 10 to 12 minutes away in, wow. in, in England. Um, and so I really, uh, I got to kind of delve deep into what this very specific small city um, had to offer and, and what it gave Catelyn in her upbringing. Um, it is a very kind of remote place and it was a very big industrial town, but then the industry kind of uh, left the area. So um, it, it reminded me a bit of like, um, certain industrial cities in the Midwest, like mm -hmm. Cincinnati or something like that, um, if you were to compare it to America. But uh, it was such a special experience getting to, I got to pull my own pint in a pub. Um, I got to have a, I, I drove on the other side of the road. I mean, I really kind of, I, I had a very full experience there and um, it was the most method I'll ever be. <laughs> so Johanna is, she's a high school student who becomes, yeah, she becomes a rock critic. Yeah, so she, um, at the beginning of the film, she really embarrasses her family. Um, and and they're, uh, they're living in a council estate, which means they have like money from the government, but she plunges them even uh, deeper into poverty um, with one of her actions, which I won't give away, but it is quite funny. And um, a brilliant cameo from Chris O'Dowd, who we were so thrilled <laughs> to have. Um, but uh, he's just the best and we had the best day together. He was so wonderful to me. Um, but she embarrasses herself and, um, she needs to find a way to make money basically. And her, her brother, and they have a really beautiful relationship in the film. Um, he's brilliantly played by my friend, Laurie Kynaston, who's a brilliant actor, um, from Wales. And, 
uh, Chrissy, her brother, is like, look at this, uh, and hands her the newspaper, and is like, this music magazine in London is looking for young writers, and she's an exceptional writer. She's, Johanna's a really optimistic, bright, uh, she's a big brain. <laughs> she's a big brain and a big body and a very small town. And I think that is kind of the the beginning of the film is her is her um, trying to figure out who she is in that small town. And then she gets this opportunity and she goes to London and, and, and becomes a rock critic and reinvents herself as Dolly Wilde, who is her pen name and uh, dyes her hair and, and, you know, starts wearing short shorts and top hats. <laughs> and, um, and we're kind of off to the races from there, but it really is the truest kind of coming of age story. And what I love so much about the film and um, what I really connected to when I read it for the first time was, I think Catelyn um, in her writing and then in the film now, she really gives people of all ages, all genders, all sexualities, et cetera, permission to make mistakes and try again and not feel like their mistakes have to define them, but they just kind of fold into the tapestry of who they are. And I just was so moved by that. And I think everyone can be reminded of that. And I think How to Build a Girl really kind of shows you that journey. And then at the end gives you that really beautiful permission to say, this doesn't have to define you. It's a part of who you are, but we can try things on and then let them go in different moments of our life, different phases of our life. And, um, we should do that. That's the joy of being alive. And um, I, that's what I love so much about, about the movie. Well, I love the fact that, like you said, like she's this, you know, she has a big brain and she's, she's optimistic and she just, she has this vision of what her life could be or should be. And she gets it. She gets some of it as Dorothy, as uh, Dolly. Dolly, yeah. Dolly, thank you. <laughs> Dolly Wild. But then she messes up. She, so she, messes up in a big way we won't give it away but it shows she's quite literally layer. tripping over herself the whole movie i mean yeah. i fell the times playing because <laughs> i'm very klutzy but the way that she kind of manifested in my body was like i was dropping things and tripping over myself and she just as you said like both in action and in, and i for me physically it was just a very she's clumsy she doesn't always get it right it's not a to b to c to d like perfectly figured out um, and what I also love about the film is that once she becomes this rock critic, um, she's in a boy's world. The, it's the 90s. It's London. It's, it's um, the music scene at that point was really uh, male dominated. And she is this young, um, wide eyed kind of deer in this uh, in this male world. And so the film also kind of explores what it's like to be the only woman, a young woman at that in a very male dominated industry. And um She's uh, one of her coworkers, who she fancies very much, who she has a crush on, is like, you, you're being too sweet. Like you have, they were critics. And so it also kind of explores what, what it means to be a critic in a really thoughtful way, I think. And, um, and they say, you know, she says, okay, if I have to, if I want to get ahead, I've got to get a hate. And I love that line. I mean, that's Catelyn's brilliance yeah. that like it's at its peak, but um. So that's why kind of this, but then it becomes intoxicating, this bitchy, I'm not sure if I'm allowed to say that, sorry, um, but this, <laughs> this, um, this, this like intoxicating kind of critical world of, of boys and, and opinions and being mean and tearing people down. It, it's hard at 16 for that not to be intoxicating. It's hard at any age for that not <laughs> to be intoxicating. And so she kind of, she lets it take her over a little bit and, um, I just, I love the journey she goes on and I love that Catelyn and, and Koki, our director, um, that we we kind of, we're not afraid to show, as you said, kind of the, um, 
the highs and lows of who this young woman is. And, and that is the joy of it is getting to yeah. watch her go through those ups and downs. And um, she's also not like her parents are kind of not able to be there for her and her brother is her brother, but he's not her, you know, he can only do so much <laughs> for her. I, I've been saying that um, I was so lucky in the beginning of my working life to get to do both Lady Bird and Booksmart, which are such beautiful, like epic tales of friendship. And I feel like How to Build a Girl is a story of someone who wasn't lucky enough to find that. And it's sort of the story of what happens when you're that age and you don't have a best friend to kind of keep you in check or keep you in line and <laughs> um, for you to go to when you're having those moments and kind of get advice and bounce ideas off of. And um, I think that's also a really important story to tell because not everyone finds their tribe so young. And mm -hmm. I was really lucky too. My experience is much more in line with, with Lady Bird and Booksmart and um, but it was really, it was a very new experience for me to kind of explore what those moments feel like by yourself. Um, mm. and then seeing what happens from there. Um, I can't help but think of Almost Famous. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's such a great reference for the film. And, mm. and it, um, before, um, I, well, before I moved to England to film, uh, I was on the phone with Koki, our director, about like once a week, um, doing preparatory work for it. And, uh, Almost Famous, I think was the very first reference <laughs> for it. Um, but also, I mean, the, the references sort of ran the gamut, which I loved. Like she, she had me watch a little Miss Sunshine cause like tonally that's mm -hmm. a really, um, close kind of, uh, spirit, uh, like, you know, cousin yep. to our film. It's just like, it go, it's so funny. And it's like this, this, especially the familial parts of when they're mm -hmm. at home in the Morgan house, it has that sort of energy to it with, um, the, the intense dark comedy but also like not being afraid of those darker moments and then like 24-hour party people and almost famous and these other um kind of more directly related uh films that um i loved watching and re-watching for you know some of them i had already seen but uh almost famous definitely <laughs> and it's funny because it's catlin's real story so it's like it's you know everyone's uh, you know some people are like it sounds like almost famous i'm like it, it's catlin's life <laughs> um, uh, you know it's it, she she lived it she lived almost famous a little bit but um it is a beautiful reference point for the film and we we welcome that that comparison for sure and maybe she'll just start a trend people will be wearing top hats again <laughs> i know <laughs> Oh my God, the top hats. They they very sweetly, like our, the production, our creative team gave me a very fancy top hat as my wrap gift. And I love it. I'm like, do I bring this back? It's kind of amazing. Um, yeah, the, the visual journey of the film was so fun. Like yeah. she starts out, you know, uh, brown hair down to her waist. And as I said, like our costume designer was so brilliant that we actually all wore the same shoes and jeans and clothes because they don't have enough money for right. them to all get new clothes. And Sarah Salamani, who plays my mom, and I both wore the same bras. Like, the attention to detail was amazing. <laughs> um, but, like, hand-me-downs. But, um, and then all of a sudden, she she dyes her hair red and she she gets, a, you know, some fishnets and we're off to the races <laughs> and, and, and an eyeliner. Um, and it's, it was really fun. It was like nothing I had ever done before in that capacity, for sure. Well, Beanie, thank you always. I love talking to you. you I love that. talking to you too. I was so thrilled. I was like, ah, what a joy. I get to see Mark from inside my house. <laughs> well, you take care. Stay safe. You too. Stay healthy. And hope, yeah, and hopefully we'll see each other in person sooner than later. That was Beanie Feldstein. How to Build a Girl is available on VOD. Thanks for listening to this week's Big Ticket. I'll be back next week with Nicholas Holt. 
We'll be talking about his new Hulu series, The Great, about Catherine the Great, co-starring Elle Fanning, training for the new Mission Impossible movie, plus find out what Holt thinks about the possibility of the X-Men joining the MCU. It's all coming up next week on The Big Ticket. Until then, make sure to follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Mark Malkin and get the latest Hollywood news at Variety.com. Stay well, stay safe, and I'll see you next time. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry. Sorry. We're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No. Lucky Land Casino. With cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you Lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.